Welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a discussion with Pastor Jay and Pastor Robbie talking about the sermon from April 26th, 2020. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of the Faith Church podcast. My name is Jay. Actually, Robbie. we don't know if you're listening to this in morning, so yeah, good day. Maybe anytime. This is this will post this afternoon, so there's a much better chance that they're listening to it in the evening. Fair point. Okay. It's morning for us right now, though. It is. In our time zone, at the time of this recording, it is morning still. Although, it's getting close to lunchtime. What is what is lunchtime to you, Robbie? Noon. When, when is it acceptable to eat lunch? Oh, when is it acceptable yeah. to eat lunch? Yeah, when is it acceptable to eat lunch? To each his own. If you're a ten a if you're a if you're a second breakfast person if you're a, if you're a ten a.m. lunch you have at it for me I prefer the the classical noon noon I was growing up I was always eleven a.m. once once it hit eleven a.m. then it was socially acceptable to have lunch and I still hold to that with my kids they're not allowed to say anything about lunch until it's eleven a.m. Isn't eleven a.m. when restaurants like like McDonald's and whatnot officially switch over from the breakfast menu to the lunch menu? Right. That's why, yeah, because I grew up in McDonald's. I think that's how, how the world has standardized so, the proper time to eat lunch when, yeah. when I'm no longer able to get an Egg McMuffin. Yeah. Well, but now you can get it all day. Can you really? Yeah, Egg McMuffin I haven't breakfast. been to McDonald's in like 30 was, years, so I don't I know. I was kidding about McDonald's. I did, not, I did not grow up there. But fun fact, when Lauren, uh, when, when, she was ex- when we were expecting one of our children, I forget, which one? They all start to blur together at this point. But um, <laughs> she really craved egg McMuffins, but only in the evening. And this was before they had all day breakfast. So it was it like seems this big very cruel joke. Non Laurenish. To crave an egg McMuffin? Yeah. She actually likes, yeah, surprisingly, she has a few th- random things that you're like, wait a second, you like that? And one of them, egg McMuffins. She typically strikes me as one with very discriminating culinary tastes. She, Which would she not does. typically include the Egg McMuffin. Correct. So that's that's a fun fact. It is a fun fact. She has a few of those. I don't want to out her on all of them, but there are a couple of things that you. I look at her and I think, you should not like this. <laughs> but she does, and so it's part of her charm. It's what I, part of what I love about her. So anyway, hey, uh, this is Tuesday. Sure is. How right, was your so, weekend? <laughs> Well, it's, I'm glad you asked, Robbie. Um, oh. By the way, I'm Jay, and this I'm, is Robbie. I'm Robbie. Yeah. So uh, if you're not sure who these voices are, we are both pastors at Faith. And uh, so my weekend was fine. We actually we went outside. It was good. We went outside and enjoyed all of that. However, I have to say that the worst of all things happened. Uh, yeah. This is, for me, this is right up there with just about almost anything. Uh, we found a tick. Mm. On my daughter, in the middle of our backyard. What? Not in the not in the woods. We went on a we went on a nature walk through the woods and didn't have a single tick on us. Then we are the next day we're just playing in the backyard and my daughter goes from the swing set to the middle of the backyard. We're playing catch and she looks down. And she says, "Oh, I have a spider on me," and she just freezes. And so I go over there to see said spider. Turns out it is a tick. Mm. So I in the middle picture. of the grass, in the middle of the mowed grass, like yeah, not not out in the 
dead leaves or the tall grass or anything like that. And that, where we're supposed to be safe. It's where we're supposed to be safe. If I can't be safe in the middle of my backyard, I don't know where to go. We're going to have to stay in all the time now. Yeah. Yeah, I've been on... This is this whole like lockdown thing. I've been on that during tick season as long as I've been to Wisconsin. It's it's why winter is my favorite season because you don't have to worry about ticks. And there will always be one person who says, well, technically there are still ticks in the winter. Okay, but the percentages go way, way down. Don't ruin actually, our winter too, people. Yeah, they're not gonna, they're not hanging on the top of snow cliffs waiting to, or snow mounds waiting to jump on me. Uh, they, uh, so yeah, I, the, the chances are very low in that, in that season. So that's why, part of the reason why I love winter. There's no ticks and no mosquitoes and you can always bundle up and it's beautiful. And why you're now going to double down on the stay at home? Yeah, I stay rule. stay in the house and uh, or stay on paved surfaces only for Jay. <laughs> All right. Well, this is. I'm sorry you had to have that experience. Hopefully, a, your week goes better. It's gonna. Yeah, it'll be all right. We're tough. As long as you don't um, find one in your carpet. If I find one in my carpet, then I will be moving out to the garage or the driveway. I I don't know, man. I don't know what I will do if I find one in my carpet. <sighs> Why would you even put that in I'm my sorry. head? I'm sorry. I said it out That's, loud. We have mostly hard surfaces in our house. I spoke it out. So I've just, oh, there you yeah, go. So, so far. And, and we have cats who will eat them. So I feel protected by my cats. Excellent. So should we move on with other things? We, we have, have some things important to things to get to today. I think, we should, I think we should get at it. We do. All right. So this weekend, Robbie, you kicked off our series on the Lord's Prayer, which I did. We are both very excited about this series, and I thought you did a fantastic job. Thank you. I'm very excited about the series. We have been looking forward to this for quite some time. Yeah, so you uh, you did something a little differently this week. It was a different kind of message. Um, I, nobody has commented yet on the fact that you, you've chosen during this whole virtual teaching to sit at a stool and sit at a table on a stool and are very conversational in it, and I still yell at the camera. I, the, the, We're the playing to our strengths in this new scenario. <laughs> I so for anybody listening, I genuinely, uh, I, I genuinely tried the first week. I thought, okay, am I going to stand and and preach, or sh is this going to feel more comfortable to sit at a stool? And I think I got about forty-seven seconds into the first message, preaching to the camera, before I'd completely forgotten that I was preaching to a camera and just went after it yeah and you just settled um, right in to your sweet settled, spot yeah i just can't i can't help it as i've been told before i'm i yell and i don't i don't mean to it's not yelling it's just loud talking it's emphatic. emphatic you're passionate <laughs> those yeah those are the positive ways of spinning that but uh -huh. so you did that you taught on it but then you also led us through corporate prayer or you led us through praying the lord's prayer so what was behind, what was your thinking, your thought process behind that? What were, how did you feel about how it went or what were your concerns going into it? Have you gotten any feedback about it? All that stuff. Well, I, I tried to articulate the idea behind it in, in the message by saying we don't, we don't want to just look at this prayer. We want to, to, to look through this prayer. We want to practice prayer. So rather than just another teaching environment to be able to use this as an opportunity to, to practice this together. Um, now, how did it feel? That's an interesting question, um, because it would have felt very different to pray corporately if we were actually gathered 
corporately. So to be honest, it felt a little a little awkward, a little uncomfortable, and 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 there's just uh, you're 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 throwing that out there on a wing and a prayer, so to speak. That that I see you're just you, there. you see that you're you're just hoping that people are connecting with you, right? Because I can't I can't see I can't see that people are engaged, um, and just as as I'm praying, I'm praying that uh, that that the spirit can do what what I know he can do, and that is work through technology, through through the screen, uh, and and help us to feel connected and and united in that. Um, and and we got some some good feedback from some people saying that that they thought that that was a positive experience. So I think he did what what only he can do. Yeah, it's great. I think you know for us leading into it, I thought I was wondering, okay, how is this going to go? But at least in my house, it went really well. I think it was really helpful. Oh, good. That's encouraging and, to hear. Yeah. So. Uh, so yeah, I thought that was great and it must have hit home because we actually got a bunch of questions this week. Awesome uh, questions. Only, we had some incredible questions this week. Now we did have, we had several, uh, we had several questions that were not related to this week's sermon, which we love. So please, please, please send those in. Yeah. Keep but those we'll, coming. Yeah. We're going to, we're going to hold on to those and deal with those, at, uh, at different times. Uh, maybe when the other questions are slower, and so we're gonna we're gonna kind of catalog those. So if you did ask a question this week and it's not being answered today, don't don't fret. All of the questions we got were amazing, and we already are thinking about okay, how are those how are those gonna fit in at different times? Um, but we did have a couple uh, specifically about the Lord's Prayer, which which is is something that strikes strikes a chord with a lot of people because a lot of people in this area grew up in denominations where. Uh, it was the Lord's Prayer was something as a kind of a cornerstone, either the liturgy mm-hmm. where it's recited every week or mm-hmm. it's recited a lot. And so uh, one of the questions we got uh, about that was was essentially, I mean, we had a few that were all around the same idea of people coming from a background where they just repeated the Lord's Prayer and it had it didn't really have any meaning. They just recited it. And so mm-hmm. asking the question of, Okay, well, so are we actually supposed to pray the Lord's Prayer the way Jesus does it, or is it more of a model uh, of how to pray? Um, is that a fair way of summarizing all those questions, Robbie? Sure, yeah, and I, I definitely have some thoughts on that, but I'd like to hear what you think first. Well, that's nice of you. I, You know, I grew up in a denomination where we recited the Lord's Prayer uh, quite a bit, not as much as our Catholic brothers and sisters. Like, for them, for sure, this... This raises a lot of uh, a lot of thoughts and a lot of feelings and everything, sure. and and so we definitely got that that experience of okay, I I prayed this, it didn't mean anything, so then I realized that this is more of a model of how to pray, and so I started doing that, and now you know that helped immensely, um, and so the question really should we recite it or use it as a guide, um, or or take it and kind of make our own pattern? I'm sure that different people have have been taught to pray with different tools like um, the the pray acrostic or the four p's or acts or you know there's a there's a whole bunch of them and so i guess my my answer to that question of should we recite it as is or should it serve as a as, as a model um or should we take it and, and make other patterns in in some form i would i would argue for all of the above um but i would i would say that at least in Baptist and more evangelical denominations, 
I think that it is more helpful to spend our time in in redeeming the Lord's Prayer for people who grew up reciting it and and it was meaningless. Um, I, I, I that would be where my my heart would go. Would be let's let's not ditch the Lord's Prayer the way that Jesus actually says it. Like let's let's actually let's pray that let's redeem that. Like how, how do we actually redeem this thing that Jesus said? Because clearly we would not say, I mean, I can't think of any other scripture in the Bible, um, any other passage in the Bible where we would say, well, we quote that way too much. So let's, um, let's not, let's not quote that anymore. Let's paraphrase it. And let's say it in this other way that we've, um, that we've, we've made up for ourselves. We wouldn't, we wouldn't do that. Um, and so I, I, I think, what's that? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. No, I mean, I think, uh, I, I think that it's incredibly important. Jesus says, pray, pray in this way. Robbie, you, in our previous conversation, you had pointed out that in Luke, you want to share what you, what you were, um, getting on me about in Luke. What I was getting on you about, we were just having a robust dialogue as we oft, often do. It, often, it, uh, yeah. it's iron sharpening iron. I like, I like to think, um, no, just that in 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 Luke, Jesus kind of doubles down on that idea of of do we pray this or not, and and um, in Luke, I believe it's chapter eleven, where it, it lists the Lord's prayer. It says that the disciples asked him, "How should we pray?" and and Jesus' response is, "When you pray, say this," and then he and then he gives the Lord's prayer. So so certainly we would we would not want to put ourselves in a position of saying it is bad to recite the lord's prayer verbatim um and and some of that i think comes from as 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 you said jay that sense of um well when you just when you just repeat something like that then it's it's hollow your you know your heart isn't in it you're just you're just saying these words and there there isn't any power and isn't it better if uh if if it's your own words that are coming from your heart um and and I, and I would say first of all I, I don't know that you can separate those two I mean Jesus doesn't separate those two in the sense that he says it's out of the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks so I would argue that, that whether we're repeating something that we already know or whether you're coming up with it on the fly, the issue of sincerity depends on the heart, right? So the problem is not that your church said it every week. It, it's it, I'm the problem if, if that always feels cold and, and disconnected for me. I need to examine why, why uh, there's that lack of sincerity in my own heart because we don't want to throw out something that, that can be extraordinarily beautiful and and powerful and and biblical um because because i'm bringing the wrong heart to it and 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 sometimes it's not my fault sometimes it's because i've been i've been trained in a sense to bring the wrong heart to it um but as i was thinking about this question as when it first came in i was thinking in terms of just worship in general if 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 we would say if we would make the argument that something memorized or repeated has has less or even no spiritual value then we would we would have to then make the argument that we should only ever sing brand new songs that nobody knows week after week right because if you know it then that would somehow diminish its spiritual value and of course we would not make that argument we wouldn't believe that that's the case um in fact we would even argue that the ones that we can sing by heart oftentimes reach deeper into our souls than, than the ones that we don't know. Um, and maybe that's even, 
I don't know the etymology of that phrase, but, but maybe that's why we even say knowing it by heart, right? Our hearts are engaged in that thing in a different way because I'm not distracted by my cluttered head. And so there's, there's actually a beauty in, in the familiarity. Um, and not even to mention the fact that then that connects us with these words, with these phrases that have been said arguably by nearly every other Christian since the birth of the church, which is, I think, I think pretty beautiful. Yeah, I think, I I mean, so I would, I would argue that, um, or I would encourage us that the Lord's prayer should be the first place we go when we're teaching people how to pray. I know that sounds really simple, but I think we so quickly, sometimes out of a fear of it becoming this recited thing, we quickly jump to other man-made formulas and those man-made formulas may, they may in fact represent the Lord's prayer, but the Mm -hmm. question would be, well, why not just use the Lord's prayer? And, and I think one of the things I always notice when I used to teach prayer in, in different ways, uh, either using acts or, or pray or whatever, I would find that I'm, I'm switching around the order and other things about the Lord's prayer and what we're going to see through this series, there's a beauty to the order of what Jesus is doing. There's a beauty, and you even you kind of gave a big thirty thousand foot view of that on on Sunday, and and did a great job with that. And then we're going to dig a little more into that. But there is a real beauty to and, and purpose to the the order in which Jesus says these things and, mm-hmm. and teaches us to pray. And so I I think why of all the things why do we why do we try to come up with a better way to teach prayer than the way Jesus taught prayer. Right. When his disciples ask him, how should we pray? Jesus says like this, which right. means I, I should probably pay attention to that. That's probably a better formula than what I'm going to come up with. Right. And we do that with other things. Like when, whenever they ask a question. So when Paul specifically addresses how husbands should love their wives, we, we will, we will quote that um, when, you know, when Paul talks about sharing the gospel, we we make sure that we're anchoring to that. Like in First Corinthians 15, he talks about that he shared um, that which was of of first importance, um, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Uh, and so we 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 latch onto those other things and say, okay, here are the cornerstones. This is what we need to make sure that we're doing. But this is even more specific and the disciples literally i mean imagine any other question if the disciples said well how should we do this well and jesus gives an answer then we should probably you know follow that and so i would encourage anybody i totally understand again i grew up in a denomination where that happened a lot where people just kind of recited it and didn't really think about it but robbie as you pointed out that is that's a heart issue not an issue with the text and uh I would encourage anybody who kind of grew up in that to go back to the Lord's prayer and yes, use it as, um, you know, so, so helpful ways to use it are kind of what we did on Sunday and what we'll continue to do, which is you meditate on God's word. I mean, that's the other thing we want to remember is this is, this is God's word. And so just like we would meditate on any other passage, we should definitely be meditating on how Jesus taught them to pray. And so, just as you did on Sunday when we talk about our Father, that should conjure up images. We should think about that. And so if our heart is to pray to our Father, then then that will that will lead us into pretty incredible times of prayer. And I think I think it should be, again, 
I think it is worthy of being restated. If you are trying to teach someone how to pray, this is the first place to go. I would I, I would say in our church, I would love it if people, if uh, we, we have a lot of people who um, are new to the faith or who are seeking, and I would encourage our people, if you're discipling someone and you're when, when you disciple someone, teaching them how to pray is a very cornerstone basic thing you need to teach them to do. And I would go to the Lord's Prayer and walk them through this. And hopefully the series will be helpful in you doing that. Uh, but before going to any other thing, go to this. Because it is God's word. It is powerful. It is the exact instructions that Jesus gave us to pray. Yep. Now, he doesn't yeah, mean which, pray only that. And he doesn't cer- mean... Certainly not. Yeah, I mean, G- G- as Jesus says, yes, pray pray like this. But we also uh, we also see Jesus himself and and essentially everyone else throughout scripture also praying other things. So we wouldn't want to limit it to say only like, that's when it would become a problem. If I believe, well, just repeating this mantra is, is all I need. And, and I think that's where the heart of this question really comes from. And, and the reason why we would say, well, of course I wouldn't think it's weird to quote, you know, Romans if I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, but it's weird to quote the Lord's prayer is because prayer rightfully so we we believe prayer is supposed to be an intimate communication and and so we we kind of have a bit of a knee-jerk response of well but if it's if it's kind of pre-programmed then that makes it less meaningful less sensitive less sincere um and and i just i i I reject that premise in general that that's that if it is if it is planned and if it is r- repetitive, then it by definition is insincere. I can I can be coming up with it on the fly and be just as insincere. Um, or I, I, I was starting to tell you, Jay, before we recorded, uh, I and I have permission to share this with my wife because this is fairly personal to us, but I think it's relevant. Um, ye- years ago, probably like 15 years ago, um, as Stacy and I are getting ready to go to bed, um, I, I don't remember what we were talking about or how it even came up. The context, uh, is, is lost, but, um, but at some point Stacy says to me, I, I would like for you to say sweet dreams and I love you every night. And so I rather cheekily respond, okay, sweet dreams. And I love you every night. And I, and I said that, I said that the next night and then the next night after that and somewhere in the neighborhood of 15 years later, that's what I say to my wife essentially every night as we're, as we're going to bed, as we turn the lights off. And, and in this case, for us personally, it is the repetition that makes it meaningful. If now, if this was the only time I ever expressed love or, or said it in, a, in an obligatory, robotic, and disconnected way, it loses a tidbit of its romance, right? But, but when it's from the heart, and it is meant deeply and, and sincerely and honestly, its meaning, its power is actually rooted in the heartfelt repetition. And so right. I, I, I would... Ab- I would apply that to even more important and more meaningful words that were given to us by Jesus himself saying, saying these words that he gave us directly to him, that 
that when my heart is in the right place, there is an extraordinary beauty in that. And so, yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. We should be teaching this to one another. We're te- one person asked, should we teach this to our kids? Uh, I teach it to mine. So that that doesn't prove the rule, but, I'd, uh, but I'm certainly teaching it to mine. And, and, and my daughter loves saying that together. Uh, another question that came up kind of around this was, well, should we be praying that because of the hour and we and us and all that? Is this something that we should only be saying corporately or can we be saying it individually? And, and I think that's the same answer that you gave earlier, which is yes, both. Like, yes, yep. we say this corporately because it's about us, but certainly I'm meant to pray this um, as a family and as an individual. I just, I don't make it so personal that I forget that that it's about something much larger than me in the process. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's the whole, whether it's for uh, all of us or uh, individually, it is both and, and Jesus is teaching it to a group of disciples. So it's mm. not, it's not strange that he would be using our, but it's also because it says something emphatically about us as a people. And I love, you know, that's, that's a great story about you and Stacy. And, um, I think about, there are definitely things I say to my kids that I say all the time and they, you'll get the eye roll sometimes, but over the long haul, what it's, what's communicating is a history. It's the reason why I, mean, I used to oh. feel weird about in, in times of trials, when I would, when Psalm 23 would come to mind, well, there's a reason why Psalm 23 is right. the, <laughs> the most memorized Psalm. It's because it's amazing. There's a reason why we sing it still and sing it, uh, you know, on Sunday we sang a song that was Psalm 23 and there are other incredible Psalms, but you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't feel strange that in those times, that's what comes to mind. A, an right. old hymn that you say you've sung for, you know, 50 years or a, a Psalm that you have recited, um, for, for years and years and years, scripture yeah. that you recited. It's, it's beautiful. It, 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 there's a history there. And some mm. of that is I, so now when I recite Psalm 23, that Psalm 23 was really the first scripture that I memorized. Mm. And I memorized it because one of my youth leaders, um, wrote a song and it just stuck in my head. It just, it was just Psalm 23. There's no additions. There's no, it's just, just Psalm 23. And I still, part of what is called to mind when I recite Psalm 23 are the years of history of reciting yeah. that. Yeah. It makes me feel like a child again Yes, absolutely. before our father. And so that's beautiful. So if you say the Lord's prayer, I would encourage you don't let it draw up feelings of, well, I said that at a time when I didn't know it. You could also look at it as God, God buried that in my heart before I knew what any of this meant. And now right. years later, I understand it. And, right. and it was I, affecting I you. It, it was, was actually affecting. working then right. you, before you even realized that it was branding itself on your heart and, and, and forming you in these ways that that habit was, was forming you. Gosh, I was, and I just struck as you were saying that Jay, what, what would make me think that our father would not want to hear me say back to him the words that he gave me in order right. to encourage me? Like what a what a blessing as a parent to hear your kids saying back to you the things that you have shared with them in order to to communicate love and and protection and encouragement to them. Like why what why would I think that he would not delight in that? Yeah, which leads to the other <clears throat> excuse me the other question. And I know uh, yes. Christoph's going to start giving us the 
times that we're running long or whatever, but uh, this is worth it because we had so many good questions and, and a second one was related to that, just to what you're saying. So our father, yeah. um, obviously whenever we refer to God as father, which is you know how he's referred to in, in scripture, along with you know n- numerous other ways, but that picture of father, and you touched on it in the sermon, uh, Abba, you know, dad, daddy, but for a lot of people, that is a very painful term. And so yes. this came up actually from a couple of places, the idea of what do I do when my earthly father was so unlike my heavenly father yeah. in, in these horrible situations? How do I get this image out of my head? How can mm. I pray this? Mm. That is, I don't think we can we can overestimate how how impactful, how many members of our family are affected by that because so many of us have had our image, our understanding of our Heavenly Father so distorted, so corrupted, um, at, at the very least so, so confused by the picture of our earthly father because you can't really separate those. I mean, even kind of subconsciously or pre-consciously, you're applying certain attributes of your earthly father to your Heavenly Father. I mean, that was something that, that I didn't re- even realize that I was doing in in my understanding of God in, in applying attributes of my dad, because when you hear father, that's, that's what, what tends to come up. And, and, and as I said, in the message, even our, even the, the best of our earthly fathers are still, uh, just a barely a shadow of, of our heavenly father. And so like what, what to do when that image has become so, so twisted, um, is, uh, is is something that that we need to be aware of. We need to acknowledge. We need to remind people that you are not alone in that. That that is something that affects a great number of us in the church, um, and that and that your heavenly Father is certainly not unaware of that. Right? He is not caught off guard by that. And 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 it's not like we look at that and go, oh, well, he should have chosen a better term, um, because this one is kind of the worst for for so many of us. He chose that for a reason. Um, and, and part of what I would argue is, is the very fact that we can look at our earthly fathers and say, this is not how this is supposed to be, is because in his sovereign love for us, our heavenly father placed in us an understanding of what that should look like. So, so when I'm not feeling protected, when I'm not feeling provided for, when I'm not feeling secure in my earthly father, that's because the heavenly father has placed in me this eternal expectation that that is what I should be receiving from a father. So, so the, the fact that I can tell this is not right is to me the first evidence of our heavenly father's care for us. Um, and what he has placed in us, a longing for what we know this should be, and then the reality that he is not only that, but he is immeasurably more than we could even dare dream. The most perfect father that we could possibly imagine, he is he is immeasurably greater than that. And and then just as a church, I think if we if we could be aware of that and come alongside our brothers and sisters for whom that is particularly difficult, um, and 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 compassionately remind them that, that I believe that there's enough evidence in scripture to say that, that that I feel like I can say with relative confidence 
that that our heavenly father wants to redefine that picture for us right he wants to give us healing in that distorted view of father he doesn't want us to stop using that term but to say there is a a better picture and that and that he would want us to get to a place through his spirit where not only do we not continue to have that 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 almost PTSD style knee jerk fearful or or angry or or grievous response to father but that but that he would so beautifully and so perfectly redefine that that the term father could become something through the 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 grace of of the spirit and through the son would be something that would actually begin to flood our mind with pictures of our heavenly father's steadfast loving kindness and the son's sacrificial love demonstrated for us and and the spirit's work of adopting us into our true and better family with our perfect heavenly father i just i i believe that he can do that for us yeah i I think the key there is that God wants us to press through those those hard places. It's so tempting, and I can relate to this, it's so tempting to want to sidestep or skirt things that God calls us to do that are just, they're painful for us. So anybody uh, who, it's, it's hard for a lot of people to read the passages when Jesus says, ask for whatever you wish in my name, and it will be given to you for someone who pleaded with God and Um, and did not get what they were praying for, maybe a loss of a loved one or some tragedy that that they're pleading with God Mm. to reverse or change, and he doesn't. And so it's painful. And so what we can do in that is we can kind of build up a wall. And we do it with the intention of it's almost like we're trying to protect God and say, okay, God, I don't want to question your goodness. I don't want to have this distract me from praying, or I don't want to... um, you know, whatever the case is, I, and I, I'm going to, so I'm going to build this wall around this verse, mm, this passage, mm. this, uh, this Psalm, this, whatever, this command, and I'm just not going to deal with it because it's just too painful. And I, I think the encouragement from scripture is to walk through those things is to, that our father will, like you said, he's, he's going to redeem that word father for us. And I've known a lot of people who have had pretty horrible earthly fathers who have pressed through that and, and God has given them the the ability to forgive and actually provided healing rather Mm. than just kind of just skirting it, you know, as it were. And that's not to, that's not to understate the the pain of it. It happens when, you know, you think about Paul talking about removing this thorn, praying that God would remove this thorn from his flesh. Um, We see in that this beautiful example of what it looks like for Paul. You actually see the, the the process of him being delivered through that that it starts as this thing that he wants to get rid of and that he asks God to get rid of but then when it it's not you could just build a wall around that and say well I'm just going to ignore it or I'm just not going to I'm not going to ask cuz I don't want to be disappointed or whatever but instead he goes through it and actually gets an even better answer from God than you know presumably he was looking for in the first place yeah and so that I guess that would be my encouragement to anybody in that situation is look forward to what God is actually going to offer you through this. But it also hear from us that that is, it, it is a, it's, it's a terrible thing. Um, but God is not surprised by it. He didn't set up that metaphor and then say, I didn't mean 
you know, I, I didn't think there'd be so many bad fathers. Um, he knew, and and yet he has something there uh, for us in, in that in that space. Um, I know, it, it, and the same can be said, by the way, that for for people who have dads who are pretty good dads, like relatively speaking, good mm. dads. One of the traps there is you start to because you think like, oh, I have a great relationship with my dad. I love my dad. And so then you start to assume you really picture God, like at least, you know, even the question that we got, one of the questions we got this week mentioned who had a really rough childhood with their father says, well, I know God's not like that. So there is at least that where you say, okay, well, I don't even know what a father. So then you can start with kind of a clean slate and say like, I, I know, I know God isn't like my earthly father, but for people who grew up with good earthly dads, that can be really tricky then to discern okay, well, what is actually like my father in heaven and what isn't? And and where are there things, um, whether it's the disappointment of my earthly father or the discipline or sometimes like just different things that aren't actually what who our heavenly father is, really the reality is all of us have to go through that process of learning. That's right. That's right. What is, what is our heavenly father actually like? In what ways do our earthly fathers reflect his image and, and in what ways do they distort uh, or or confuse that image? Yeah. That's a big topic, man. So I'm I'm really thankful for it's, that. It's heavy. It's and I heavy. and I hope people listening to this don't don't hear us saying, Oh, here's the here's the easy solution with a neat little bow. This is this is messy and this is heavy and and this is arguably precisely why we come back to things like the Lord, Lord's Prayer, that we don't just gloss over and say, uh, you know, well, I, I don't, I'm just not going to refer to him as our father, but to be able to, um, but to be able to, to come back to this and say, yeah, but Jesus says this, this is significant. Um, and, and so it's worth, because of Jesus, it is worth pushing through to get to that better definition um, I, I don't know if we're allowed to do this on, on podcast, but can I pray right now? What am I going to say to that, is that, Robbie? Is that allowed? Am I, <laughs> I don't know what the, I don't know what the podcast rule is. I just, I just feel like, uh, I feel like as I long as do it's that. not, as long as it's not silent prayer. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, okay. Forever. Whoever's still listening, father, uh, help us, please. Help us to see you as Father, our Father in heaven, our Father, who is uh, who His name is hallowed, God, who is who is set apart as holy. God, help us to understand how, in what ways, you are different from our earthly fathers. God, help us to see the eternity that you have placed in our hearts, and to understand that it's because you are drawing us to you as our perfect heavenly Father. And God, I I am grateful that we can trust that. Uh, and no matter how distorted our our earthly image is, that that it is not beyond you to to redeem and repair, to heal our hearts in that, and to redefine for us what what fatherhood looks like, and 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 that you are you are so immeasurably more trustworthy than we could ever even dare hope or dream. So, Father, help us to to trust in that, to find delight. In, in calling you Abba and calling you Daddy and in, in, in that relationship and to um, 
Father, for those of us whose, whose wounds are, are deep, and it seems impossible that, that that term could ever not carry deep pain with it, um, how you, are, you are greater. How you are greater than the deepest wound. You are greater than, than, than the most severe rebellion. And, and we, we, claim, we claim our Jesus and, and what he has accomplished, um, not what we believe we are capable of, but what, what you have proven you are capable of to bring us healing in that. Jesus, we desperately need you every day. And, and we pray for our church that you would grow our compassion for those around us uh, for, for whom things that, that might seem to come easy for some of us are difficult and painful for others. Um, give, us, give us compassion, give us care, and help us to know, especially in light of these weird circumstances, how to come alongside and encourage one another. That's well, in your precious name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I, well, I think that's a good place to stop. I think the theme here that I'm just, uh, I'm seeing, and I think you touched on this, but the God redeems all, all things. He redeems his creation. And if he's given it to us, he will redeem it. And our, we will always pervert things. We will always uh, take things. We will twist them because of the depravity of our hearts. But our God redeems those things. So my encouragement would be anything that God has given you that is a part of his creation that he's given, that is meant to be a gift for, for us, receive it. Don't, don't skirt it. So whether it's reciting the Lord's Prayer and it feels like you've always recited it and it's meant nothing and so you've kind of abandoned it, it's understandable, but that was a gift given to you. He will redeem it. Or the fact that he calls himself Father and us sons and daughters, um, that may be difficult, uh, but he's given us that gift to call us his children and to be our Father. So let him redeem it. Don't, um, Don't skirt it and say, well, I, I feel more comfortable with these other pictures that God gives for himself. He's given us all of them. And so um, he, he will redeem all of those things that he has created uh, and created to give us as gifts. So with that, I think that is, we are, uh, Ravi just said I tied it a nice neat bow. I like, you couldn't see that because we're on an audio podcast, but I could not resist. It just, Ravi's hand motions are just so they're so pronounced and so amazing. So uh, we. It will... also defeats the purpose of me doing right. that quietly and visually, so so that you. When have you ever known me to be able to um, be subtle? That is not my thing. Fair point. Fair point. Uh, all right. Well, if you are uh, new to this podcast, make sure that you subscribe to it. Uh, you can always leave a review on iTunes or whatever, uh, as long as you say nice things about Robbie, um, and then. Uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel and our email list and all of those good things. But church, we do miss you and uh, we are looking forward to the day when we can continue to do these podcasts, but they are in the aftermath of seeing you face to face. So until next time, have a great day. Mm-hmm.